When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sounds from a night shelter in the Keys. The voice may convey some of the loneliness, some of the misery. The voice of a broken man. For all who come here are broken, by alcohol or by prison, by sickness, the wheel of life, mental retardation, and some by weaknesses in their own makeup. For many, the reasons why are unimportant. Their main preoccupation is staying alive from day to day. Where will I get the next drink? However, there is a way out. A chance to those whose lives are not in total ruins. People are encouraged to rent bedsitters, to move into houses from which they can work, to move on to shelter referral. The main difference between Simon and shelter referral is that in shelter referral, all the men work, and a man is fed and paid only if he works. This is not the sound of destruction, but of industry. The bottles are sold at £11 a tonne to a factory in Ringsend. Duncan does not do this type of work. He is a metal worker, scrap dealer, motor mechanic. Well, is this a big job, Duncan? Oh, uh, a big job. We should be getting down to the pub now in about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty of help, but it's always look better. And we just hate me, Ben hate me. We should be on our way down the... What do you call that pub down the road? Conway's? No, no, no. Conway's is off side of this hour of the day. Well, now, Pat, we just put that ID in there like that. Get that over there. And give her a few clappers. And she should have a lace. The paint still a bit thick, you know. But we might manage it, I think. 
Yes, that's Cornell. You get a man uncle if it doesn't blow now after that. You just throw it up the corner so you don't see it's on the start. Contact. Action. Show. Only a show. Bill. You have patterns and everything in the show now. I hope. Yes. You're trying to fill me. How's that? Sounds very nice. Good little engine in that car, definitely. Handy for going up and down to the library stand, you know, the fellow was going that way. Yeah. No, but it's a very good engine, Seriously. You don't, you don't draw any labour? No. Should be closed down. Any man that's able to walk shouldn't be important to any labour. There's always some other way of doing the job, isn't there? I first met Duncan in a Simon house, although he had by that time moved to Shelter Refer. For a long time I did not know whether Duncan was his Christian or surname. Nor does it seem to matter in this underworld of poverty where a man may simply be known as Limerick or Sligo or Willie Joe. Duncan is 47, although he says sometimes he feels like 147. Together with 15 others, he lives in a converted railway hut in what must be the noisiest dwelling in Ireland, with the Merrion Road in front and the railway line to Wexford at the back. How does Duncan fit into the house on the Merrion Road? Martin Maguire. Duncan, well, D Duncan isn't the type of person that would really fit into anything. He's an individual, very much a character. And as such... Uh, Duncan's of use to us uh, in that he knows people, he has contacts and he knows where to get different things done, you know, engineering type things, you know, like um, getting a bent axle straightened, things like this. This is where Duncan would be of use to us and also we would hope that this was of use to him because it's keeping him in touch with what he knows about. It's the way we would see Duncan. Um, he's not the type of individual, he's lost the ability to sort of work a normal sort of nine to five routine. He's probably not worked a nine to five routine for years. I would say I know for a fact, not definitely not in the last six years. Um, you could find though that um, if there was the right framework within which he could operate, uh, you might get better results from him. Well, unfortunately, we are limited in this, and we can't accommodate the one individual. We have to try and accommodate a group, which numbers 16, and to us, Duncan's one out of the 16. We try and utilise him as best we can, and use his skills as best we can, when we can, and that is, say, one sixteenth of the total time. This view was shared by Billy Hamill also. I, I think it was one of the best things he could have done was to come out here. Um, from Simon because in Simon there was no inducement for him to work because nobody else was and um, if he did he didn't get any approval for it you know he just did it and people th thought that he was uh, trying to be one up in them but out here everybody's working so he's in a sort of a working atmosphere and if he doesn't work out here well then it stands out more than in Simon whereas 
if he, he's got all the facilities, well, he's got a lot of facilities here that he wouldn't get anywhere else so easily unless he was to set up on his own. And he's, he's really, really good for us too because since he's come out, we've started to get into things like scrap metal and um, building trailers. And he's got a, a vast amount of contacts in Dublin and he, he knows where you can buy anything or sell anything. So stuff which we would have considered to be absolute rubbish um, a few months ago and wouldn't have touched, we can now get a few quid for it because we know where to get rid of it as a result of his information. And what, do you, what do you think of my Mercedes? Well, it's a very nice car, all right. <laughs> I had one of these. I bought it in a factory for 20 quid. It's the best bargain I ever had. It's still working, as a matter of fact, down in Caddick McClough. Well, I think he's running catalogue with an art with it. Like a sheep or something, isn't it? He's making a, made a packet with it. Tell me the story about the motorbike the, 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 and the guard. Oh, no, constantly. Yes. Oh, I was very drunk that night. <laughs> he pulled me up, or he tried to pull me up. I was doing over 90 miles an hour. I was one of the fastest bikes on the road at the time. 500 knots. Faster than the police boys themselves had. They couldn't catch me in any way, but he caught me putting it in. They knew where I lived. He caught me putting it into the house. They caught me putting the motorbike in the house, and that's how they caught me, really. And what was the sequel? I got a month in Mount Joy. Probably. I was very drunk after coming home in the Navy. I was young at the time. Could you just tell me what you've got here, Duncan? What is you know, what I is have that shed got there that you see standing up there. Yes. You know, I bought it for a hundred pounds too, months ago, practically. But it's not really a shed, is it? It's, it's uh, the makings of a shed. It's, uh, the rest of it's all there on the ground. It's been put back together, and a friend of mine is sitting in the at me as a workshop. You know, be ideal for him. He's just being out now. I'm going in to see him to see what he wanted, and I'll dismantle it for him if he does tomorrow. It's an old barn, in an fact. An old hay barn, yeah. But it'll, he'll be able to make what he wants out of it, you know. He can scrap what he doesn't want and, and uh, use it to build a, a shed out of it, you know. That but when you say you have bought it, you have not really bought well, it. Well, I, I, I verbally bought it. I didn't pay the man for it yet, but I'll have to pay him before he start dismantling it. If I was going along with you and I bought something, even broke, well, I can think of someone of me friends that would buy that particular article, wherever it is now, be timber I'd go to O'Brien or machinery I'd go to so and so. I can always tell them the truth what I'm after buying it for. And they'd go and pay for it and give me well whatever they think is reasonable enough for my profit out and then they'd take it over and sell it themselves, you know. So I'm never broke if I do decide to go out to work at all. But uh, since I moved out there now, I'm trying to stay around the place. I don't go out much. And especially with that illness I've had there now for the past couple of weeks, I, I'm only starting to move around again now. Just, I was starting back really in work that time. So uh, I feel a little bit better now, I hope. I'll be able to keep going again now for a while. What do you mean when you say you don't need to have money to make money? Well, 
if you can see something, you say this, your boy would say for 50 pounds, just put it that way, and you know it's worth 100. Well, you go to the person that you're going to originally sell it for, and you tell them you bought it for 50, and ask them to give you 75 for it. So, in other words, you're only you're only really finding the thing, and then you're selling it without having to buy it. But if you bought it yourself, you might get a couple of hundred for it, you know. That's the way it works out. They're getting a bargain and you're getting £25 for nothing. Just for your... Well, I mean, you, you, you have to have experience to know when a thing is worth £50. Or a hundred, or they might even go into a £1,000. But uh, once you buy it, then you can go... You, like when I know half of the Volant, but all the machine shops and any electrical places, I know them all. And I know the prices of a thing. Like if I bought a thing in a film for just we'll say 50, I'd know whether that would be worth maybe 150 or, or 100 or whatever the case may be. And you walk off that. But I'm practically all my life at that job. And only for think I probably would have had one of the biggest businesses in, in Ireland at that business. Only I got too fond of drink. I made so much money easy, you know. If you if you have to go out and walk eight hours a day and you only get so much money, you appreciate that a lot more than if you when you go out some days you might get a hundred pounds. You might get two hundred. And you're inclined then to have loads of friends you go off drinking. And you drink the two hundred pounds and then the next day you have nothing to start off with again. What were you saying, Duncan, about robbing cars? Well, I was very tempted to rob that one day this week, Peter's car. I'm out of robbing everyone he's had so far, but I'm kind of under promise not to rob that one, because uh, he'll have nothing else to get round when I don't bring it back for a week when I take it end of it. But uh, I don't know how he seeks me at all. I had it for a week there last year, one of his cars, and he was trying to go to Crow Park, this, that, and other, and it was gone. So eventually he had to send over another fella to collect the car. We, we go in and have a chat with Pat. Well, where, where's Peter, Pat? Um, I think he's in the yard. Oh, in the yard. He has the flu. He, <laughs> he must be up in the headline, I think, cured in the flu. <laughs> he, might, he might be. Well, I've allowed a timber up there I want to sell him. And I don't know whether to bring it in myself or whether to go down and get him to bring it in on the lorry. Well, I don't. I doubt if he'll go out for it. If you could get them to come in with it. Well, if I bring it in tomorrow, he'll take yeah. it. Find out first. If yeah. But in the meantime, I think I'll slip up and see how his flew is. Yeah. Up to the headline or the yard. <laughs> it's nearly not going off time now. Anyway. Uh, see, um, <laughs> if the lorry's empty, you could bring it yourself, maybe. Yeah, I can bring it in the shower on the lorry in the morning. Mr O'Brien, what do you think of Duncan uh, going off with your car now? What's your reaction? Um... Well, like we get annoyed, you know, when he does it because um, we think we figure that he shouldn't do it, and the only reason he does it is because he knows we won't report him to get him into trouble. You understand? So uh, it causes a lot of upset because you're wondering, is it him or is it somebody else, or what you should do if you understand? Um, then my husband gets annoyed with him, and if Duncan comes in and he's not here. He'd come in and say, it was Duncan in, so I'd say he was, and he'd say, why didn't you put him out? And <laughs> I said, Duncan made, really made a mess of his own life. He could have been very well off because he's brilliant and he had 
great brains, and I still blame himself for um, not not making a success of his life. So, that's what do you think he could have done? <clears throat> well, years ago, he sure he, he could have. He was brilliant at the scrap. And there's a neighbour of mine here today, and he's, I'd say, he's, he's, he's well-to-do, and Duncan was far more clever than this man see, at that business. Why, why do you think he didn't make it, shall we say? Well, it hits an awful lot of Dublin people. And it's, as, as they call it, the jargle. <laughs> and he, he put his hand to He was a, a good machine man, mechanical man. And he was really brilliant at the scrap. He was able to size up a place. Himself, myself and him off, off went into a factory. And he'd size up the whole place, a place to be for sale. And he was, with practically no money, he was able to take it over and value what it was worth and give a man a price for it. And he'd draw the stuff out of it and sell it and pay as he go along. And he, he, he really, he could make money I often saw him making a hundred pound in an hour, and then he'd get cut up there and go to the pub, and he wouldn't stop until all that hundred pound was gone down the drain. Drink, 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 you know. I would often left him home to the ivy, and caught him the next morning. He wouldn't have a penny in his pocket, but he'd give it all away. You're really good to kids, and well, maybe I shouldn't say that because he neglected his own family, but to other kids, he was terrible good to him. He'd come and he'd bring them out and he'd buy presents for them and give them, you know, and toys. But still, down in Irish town, he used to visit his own kids up in the, what do you call that school up in the chapel, is it? Simon, who is it? No, his own. He had his own children up there. And, oh, uh, yes, 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 yes. And out in uh, Black Rock. Yeah. He wouldn't visit those, didn't beat about the parcel of sweets and whatever, lemonade and all this. Like, very good to his children, he was, yeah. in that way. Yeah. Well, still, the, the wife and him. The, ah, but his wife left him, of course, you know that. His wife went away. Well, she blew him out, like, she went yeah. off to England. It's about bad well. This was one of the biggest jobs you ever did? Yeah. Ah, well, it wasn't one of the biggest jobs I ever did, but it was a long time here, you know, it was a couple of years here. I got to like the people around the place, you know. But, uh, do you see that, what's left there now? Well, that all came out there. That's where they used to make the, the beer up there. That came out three times that distance. And I pulled the whole lot down, blew it up and done every sort of thing with it. But uh, there was a lot of people came in here, and right where you're standing there now at the moment, you see where that car is? Yeah. There was a big well there, and no one else knew about it. And I put practically most of the building into, the, into it and filled it up there. It was a frightfully big well. And uh, I blew most of it up with jelly night and everything. The bulldozer ran away with me there one day, and it drove right through there into that yard at the time. And it kind of got me uh, into a bit of serious trouble. I wasn't even in the machine at the time when I ran away. I was talking to a friend of mine. And I'd no drink, but by the time I got into it, it, had to... it didn't knock the building down, but it put a belly in the building, and it was only after going up. A big wall went up there. And uh, 
it kind of got me into bad straits in the film, you know. But this, it, this was a brewery? Oh, yeah. And how did you come to get the job of demolishing it? Well, I came in first to buy most of the stuff that was in it. And when I got that, which I did get, I finished up then getting the job of demolishing it. But this, this is actually one of the oldest breweries in Ireland. And I probably could have used it as a good advertisement. I was nearly one of the first to do demolition work in Dublin at that time. Uh, I never did bother uh, cashing in. How much money was involved here, Duncan? Really, I got nothing over only a headache, really, you know. It didn't help me in any way. Mm -hmm. I just got plenty of bills over and maybe a, a fast-moving car to go off drinking on the weekends. But uh, I have good memories and bad memories here. I nearly blew myself up here a couple of times. Over there, for instance, on that. You see that big thing that's left there? Well, there's the thousands of tons of bricks in that ash, even now at the moment. And there's tunnels running under this place, and they run right across the road. You can't even see them. The bulldozer went down under the tunnel there where that Volkswagen van is one day and I was going to take it over for ground mushrooms in this. It still runs under it there where they used to store the beer. You can't see it there now. It runs right across the whole of the street here and across that place there that you see outside the gate. Well, this is the house where, where you live now, Duncan. How do you feel looking at it now? Well, uh, I don't think much of it really now. At the time I bought it, uh, it was a good bargain at the time. And, uh, well, uh, I never really bothered really looking at it. I sold it one day drunk for little or nothing. But uh, I've kind of forgotten about it now. It never enters my mind. Even, I don't like passing up and down that neighbourhood. Were all your children born in this house? Well, most of them were, yeah, in that house. One of them was born, the eldest lad was born in England. And uh, three of them was born in Kevin Street before I bought this house. And the rest of them was born there. But you don't like to come around this neighbourhood anymore? No, I don't like it. Now, yesterday when I was around there and I went into that pub for a drink. I used to drink, I used to live in that red line. And uh, I've seen a lot of my friends there. And like, they don't understand that when I was around there, I had plenty of money. And it's hard then, but they don't understand when you're broke again. I still expect you to be buying them drink the way I used to, you know. I mean, if you have plenty of money, you have more friends than you really want, because they, I've been knocked up about a half, five or six in the morning to go drinking. But maybe three or four fellas, well, I'm often drank all night in the house. And it's no good for children of that either, that kind of a life. I'm kind of glad that they are away at the moment now. I miss them. Uh, not seeing them and so forth, but they're better off, really. And I've kind of a free hand in life now. I can do more or less what I want, and they're all well looked after. They're all practically working now. Or half of them is working. Somewhere there was a woman, somewhere there was a child. Somewhere there was a cottage where the marigolds grew wild. But somewhere's just like nowhere When you leave it for a while You'll find the broken-hearted When you're traveling jungle style Down the bowels of a broken land
I'm not ringing you back unless it's ready. How's that? I ring me back anyway. Otherwise, I'll be wondering if you're going to ring me back. Okay, I'll ring you back in ten minutes. <coughs> How long are you with Simon? Oh, I was with Simon about five years or a little more. I'm not sure. Yeah. But, uh... And you were the cook there? Oh, I'd done a lot of cooking. Well, I wasn't there. I was done three or four years cooking there. I wasn't permanent cook, I just done it to pass the time away, you know. I'm a pretty good cook when it comes to cooking. Even rough kind of grubber could make it taste a bit decent, you know. But, uh... Now, what's the difference between Simon and Shelter? Well, the difference between Simon is that in Simon, you don't have to go out to walk if you don't want to walk, you know. And uh, I don't know whether it's a good thing or not, you know, it suits some people, but I like to be out active. And I always was active, even with Simon, I went there after cooking the dinner and done something for myself, you know. But out in the shelter, you can do a bit of work. As a matter of fact, everyone does something out there. And they're paid for it. In Simon, you get paid for nothing. Like, for instance, if I was cooking a dinner out in Simon, I'd get nothing for doing that. Out there, if you've done it, you get Well, you get the price of 30 or 40 cigarettes in anyway. You get a pound, we say, for cooking the dinner. But in Simon, you get nothing. That's the only difference. When did you start drinking very heavily? Oh, I'm drinking since I was a boy. I'm drinking since I was a boy. When did the drink sort of begin to take control of you rather than you controlling the drink, shall we say? Well, the thing is, if, if, if you get so much money, we say, for a small amount of work, I mean, when you have your time served at this job, boy, man, there's times that you only have to do five minutes work, and you might make 50 for the five minutes, you might make a hundred pounds, it's just a matter of saying yes or no sometimes without doing any work. So when you get that kind of money, you've nowhere else to go to a pub maybe, or you might be waiting to see someone else for another job, and it's all built around the pub, this job. Everywhere you're meeting someone, you're not going to stand on the street, you say, oh, I'm meeting such a place, I'm meeting such a pub. So, the scrap business is built around pubs. It's, it is, yeah. Not only the scrap business, I mean, there's lots of businesses run from pubs. Lots of businesses. Like, even like if you're selling a car or something, you might make arrangements to meet a fellow. Like, m m the majority of walking people here, they've got no telephone in the house. They might use the phone at a local pub, put an ad in the paper and they're waiting in the pub for the phone to ring to see if anyone is interested in it. Whatever they have for sale. I know most of the pubs I ever drank in it, but they were nearly all offices I used them as. There's nothing worse than a woman that's drunk or three of them together that can't drink, you know. It's yeah. the most sickening thing that's ever you've seen is to see them fighting and giving out to one another in drink, you know. Like men at fight or something like that. Or the, some fellas sing and drink. Some fellas get aggressive and all sorts of different things, you know. But women, when they start, that's why I really left Simon to tell you the truth. Because of the women? That's one of the reasons I left. Do you want to know something? Yes. You're going to have to get these brakes done. 
I sold this fella a few washing machines up here. What are you doing with that? Uh, what, what are you going to make out of that? Or what, what, I'm not what? making anything. It's scrap. I'm trying to take uh, the aluminium off the cast, you know, the cast iron and aluminium. Yes. You're trying to separate the, the aluminium from the cast iron? Cast iron, yeah. And scrap. which will you sell? Well, both. I couldn't get them, couldn't let them go for less than £10. So, if you give us a tenner, you can take them away. I want to get rid of them. That's out there, the ten pound Billy. You didn't give no way quit with them, Michael. So I know. Sure, I had to buy the old car. It's out there if you want to see it. Oh, the car you'll get. Well, I towed it all the way out here, trying to sport nothing. The rest of it. You'll get a fool with the Hammond Lane with the body, but. But sure, how am I going to get it down to Hammond Lane? Oh, get man. Get man to bring it down. All right. All right. Now he won't be able to give him the half. I'll give you a five of them. The tourists is all junk on the Billy. Well, I give you them for. This, I'm not making any money on it now. I give them for eight pounds just to get them out of my way, and because I know you. And you're a friend of mine. You're right? a great pal of mine. I'll tell you what I'll do, Billy. And this is the last word I'll give you. Six pound, lay them down. Well, seven pound fifty and lay yours. Like two pound, that's four for seven pound. Will you give me a hand to put it together again? I, I'll give you a hand to carry them out to your car and you can take them. I'll give you a hand to put them on if you want. Okay, Billy, I'll wait. Seven pound fifty. Right. right. I'll let you off the fifty and you can buy me a drink. Okay. You were saying, Duncan, about getting back into business again. Yeah, well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't like to go back into business big again. You know, I just like to. You say you have a small business going. I'm back working on a small way now. And uh, if I had a certain amount of money, I'd buy a, I don't need a lot of tools. And a stock of steel for making these trailers. And I could keep going. I'd probably I'd get a good week's wages. I'd get a very good week's wages for myself and another man. How much money would you need to set you up? I suppose now, about five or six hundred pounds would put me going. Oh, I'd say he could get five or four or five hundred pounds, um, he would be able to start off the business, whether he'd be able to maintain it, um, I, I, I would doubt very much. Um, as soon as he'd had the money, um, he'd spend it. And there's just no way in which, which I, I, I could see that he'd um, be able to leave and live a, an even patterned life in which he could make money regularly, week in, week out, and maintain uh, a level or standard of living, uh, which, as it were, would be synonymous with the, with the norm. Um, he very much likes the rough and tumble, and he likes, to some extent, I suppose, he does enjoy being totally irresponsible. You were saying about the offer you got? Oh, I was offered a very good job there a couple of years ago. In a machine place, he offered me uh, £50 a week, plus uh, £10 commission and every £1,000 worth of machinery I sold in the place, which would be a considerable amount of money because the cheapest machine in the place would be a 1000 And anyway. I might be selling a bulldozer maybe for 10 or 12 or maybe even more, £20,000 worth of machines. But there was one flaw in it that I couldn't go for a drink at all after 7 or 6 o'clock at night. So I rang him up the next day and I wasn't kind of interested in working anyway at the time. I rang him up the next day and <coughs> I told him I wouldn't, didn't want the job to get someone else. Did something no. explode in a car once when you were driving? Uh, no. I was cutting a lorry in two halves with the settling torch and the chap that was with me took the top off the pedicle tank and a piece of the molten steel blew into the tank and blew me up. 
I was lucky to be alive after the explosion, to tell you the truth. I don't know how I didn't get killed. Were you, were you in hospital? I was, yeah. What were you well, suffering My face from? was very badly burned at the time. Uh, I got, got very badly burned face and hand over. But uh, it's all healed up. I don't know how it healed up to tell you the truth. I wasn't even scared after it. You once had a business going, Duncan. Oh, yeah. You had lorries and... I had lorries and fellas walking for me. Plenty of money I had at one time. And some, what makes me wonder is that I'm no remorse, like, you know. I'm not sorry for anything I've done in life. Like, some fellas will be moaning, like, you hear these fellas. I've done this and I've done that. I've no, I'm not sorry for that I've done in life, really. I'll probably do the same again tomorrow. He is not as straightforward as, as, as you know, a jolly, roving, uh, easy come, easy go. Roguish type of individual. Yeah, he's not that. Um, you know, I, I really do believe that there's a tremendous sadness to him. Um, and, and that he, he did not, or he cannot make quite clearly that the decision to, you know, cut himself off from his wife and family, um, cut himself off from his own immediate family, um, you know, make and break relationships. Um, he's not an easygoing character. I'll tell you then, the situation with that thing is, I've got to get Eugene to have a look at that. Have you yet again to have a look at it this evening? No. No more, I'm first. What time? Be out at nine. Because this bloke will go away tomorrow morning for sure. Well, I've got a container to load at eight o'clock, right? That'll take me till nine. And then I'll take Eugene out and have a look. Tonight? No. Tomorrow In morning. the morning? Yeah. Nine o'clock. So I'm broken now at nine o'clock in the morning. That this chap here's gonna be soon. <laughs> no, <laughs> he isn't. <laughs> no, he isn't. <laughs> because there's no sense in me buying a pig in a poke. You're not got to cut out with Eugene now before he gets stag and have you a look at it. Got to get the fork motor for the morning. So that's it. That's it. End of story. Standard. Story end. Duncan, what does Dublin mean to you? Uh, yeah. I love Dublin, especially along here. Yeah. I love along this neighbourhood here now. Yeah. I used to sail on a ship from over there. I used to have a room to catch it every night over there. See where that little ship is over there? Yes. I used to sail on the ship there. The mead was the name of it. There's nothing at sea, really. It's not so bad if you're on a, a long journey and you keep away from everybody. Do a bit of studying. I was studying anatomy once when I was on a, on a ship I was on. I tried it in Braille. I had a dummy skeleton made of plastic. I thought it was a female, it worked out to be a male. Some fella knew by the ribs, there's so many ribs in a woman. There's not so many in a male or whatever it is. <laughs> so I threw that about over the side of the ship and I just went back to alcohol. You were saying about the morphine there when you were a sailor, Duncan? Oh, yeah, that's when I had an accident with this doctor in the West Indies. Okay, with me. We just mentioned drugs to me. I'd never take drugs. But when I took this morphine, my thought it was Jack Dyer, I don't want to see what's happened. I was nearly going to kill the skipper and the mate. 
had to take me. You don't feel nothing. You run up the wall at them. And the skipper asked me, he said, what do you do with the tablets you got? Oh, I told him, he said, you're supposed to take a half a tablet every 12 hours. And of course, I was breaking them with a, with a razor blade. And sometimes I'd be taking three quarters of a tablet, and another time I'd be only taking a quarter. So the times I was taking the three quarter tablet, the times that you could hit lampposts out of one session of you know. But maybe the skipper caught on and he took them off me. I really didn't need them at all, there was nothing wrong. And how often do these uh, nights take place? How often do you have one of these? Ah, well, this is uh, for the crowd I'm with now at the moment. This is only a special occasion, you know. I've never been at them before, but. If I had money these nights, I'd go on every night, you know. These are all friends of mine, even the Simon, the whole lot here, you know. All the Simon people? Yeah, all that's here now at the moment, but this had uh, a new cow that moved now at the moment. You know? Most of them are much younger than you, you see. Ah, yeah, you but be... see, that's all about it, isn't it? You must be the father figure you of You don't think I'd rather go out with Elwood here. <laughs> I like a young boy, not with elbows. Have you got the bird here today? No, no, my young boy's not here tonight. She's disgusted with me. Why? I don't know. She's kind of uh, afraid of crowds, you know. I don't know where she is at the moment. She's probably out with another bloke or any other spirit, you know. Yeah, <laughs> not very fit for this thing. Ah, well, it doesn't matter about that, you know. She's <laughs> all right. <laughs> Duncan is in fact a highly complex person. Probably nobody really knows him. Possibly he does not know himself. But people in the Simon community have known him for a long time. I mean, the front he presents is a very warm, attractive front. Um, it's very difficult not to like him. Uh, it's very difficult... Uh, to want him to be something else because it's very easy to be with him. Yet, all, you know, all the time I feel that it's, it's, you know, he is not in control of his own life. He doesn't make decisions for himself. Um, and I feel he gives very little of, you know, you know, of his own pain, of why he does things, uh, you know. I think essentially he's a very, he's a warm, loving person, but that he has lost so much that he had built his life on. He's lost his wife, he's lost his children, he's lost a contact with a lot of his older, his old friends and with his family, with his brothers and sisters, he hasn't that much contact. And he's sensitive enough to feel that a lot. Friends he's had um, made over the years, whom he's worked with or lived with, uh, his own family, um, he hasn't been able to maintain any continuous relationship with any of them. And I think it's all our loss that he doesn't. Um, but then he, 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 he's off somewhere else and he's giving up himself in some other situation. Um, whether, you know, in that way, everybody sort of has a bit of Duncan, as it were. Um, and Duncan does survive. <laughs> 